Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. I am the adoptive mother of four children. We started this program to tell our adoption stories and what we went through, the highs, the lows, and all it took to finalize on four kids. We tell stories from all over the world now, and it's amazing how many people apply. It's amazing how many perspectives we get. We love to talk to the birth parent, adoptee, and the adoptive parent. We believe that hearing the voices of all three are so important. And of course, we include the social worker and all the people that are involved, but we just want to bring an aspect to the show that maybe you haven't thought of, or maybe people need to hear so they can understand their child better. We have also started a new blog called Adoption Is. You can find that on our website, adoption-now.com. We have started Saturday suggestions on Instagram to help you in your adoption journey. Check us out there, like us, follow us, and review us on iTunes. We would love it. Today, we have a great story from Georgia. Mallory reached out to us to partner with our listeners because she makes adoption profile books for adoptive families. Her company is called Arrow and Root, and these books, oh my gosh, they are beautiful. They are very modern, they're trendy, and she loves to tell adoption stories. She wants your personality to come out in these books. She is passionate about adoption because she's half adopted, and her family has an amazing story. Mallory, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, April, for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you on, and I love your website. Thank you. I designed it myself and spent a lot of tears and hard hours creating it, but thank you. I appreciate that. You have a very interesting story because you're half adopted. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it's kind of a weird subject in the adoption world, I feel like, from my perspective, because you're either adopted or you're not, and you don't get to hear the in-between stories that often. And so I have started sharing my story a little bit more because I feel like I'm not represented in the adoption world as much as I know there's a lot of individuals out there with similar stories. And so I say I'm half adopted um, because my mom had me when she was 15. And my birth father was in and out of the picture initially, um, wasn't around that much. And throughout that time, my mom met who I call dad. And they dated for a few years and got married when I was three. And when they got married, my biological father was still not involved, and he signed over his rights. And then my dad adopted me at that point. And so he's always been dad to me. He's always been the one that has been the father figure and my stability. And I actually favor him and my personality a little bit more than my mom, which is really cool. But I still have a lot of the adoptee um, emotions, and I would say trauma a little bit. I had to work through those about five years ago when they started coming up, and I wasn't quite sure where they came from. And I've worked through those and been able to, you know, seek help and counseling, and, and now I'm able to share my voice, which I hope will be able to connect and inspire other people to share their half-adopted stories. That's really interesting. Did you call him your stepdad or did you tell people he was your adopted dad or did you just say he's my dad? 
I always said he was my dad, which he is. And so I knew my story, but I never connected my biological father to my story. And so my dad has always just been that, my dad. And now I do, you know, think of the biological father side of things a little bit more than I did growing up, just because I've worked through so much. But my dad has always just been that. He's never been stepdad or adopted dad. He's just dad. Did you know your biological dad? It's funny you ask that. (laughs) I did not. I knew very little growing up. He was a very dangerous person, and I did not want to have any interaction with him. But I worked at a pregnancy medical clinic, and some things happened, and I ended up meeting him. And I found out I had a brother as well and met him. I did not continue a relationship with my biological father after having a few interactions with him, there was just too much water under the bridge at that point. And then too much distance as far as emotional connection. He had done some drugs and there was some brain injury from that. And just cognitively, there wasn't a good connection to continue a relationship. And I knew I was going to be getting married soon thereafter and hopefully be having, you know, children, whether biological or adopted, and I didn't want to bring that into the situation as well. So I cut ties with him. I was able to have some closure. And then my biological brother from him, I've had an off and on communication with, I wouldn't say relationship. Um, We've talked here and there over social media. He has a son who's a little bit older than my son, like two months older. And so it's nice to be able to see that from a distance, but we don't have a relationship either just because of all of the trauma involved with the situation. So you can really relate to adoptees that are looking for their biological parents. I can. I feel like I can be that voice on the other side of working through everything that comes with being adopted. I don't know the full scope of not knowing who your biological parents are, but I can understand not knowing who a biological parent is. And so I get it. (laughs) I do. It's really amazing because you are trying to figure out this relationship. And I think that it's okay if it doesn't work out or it's okay if you meet the person and, you know, you're, you're in relationship with them. They're not a stranger, but you don't do Christmases and you don't, you know, it, it's okay. Right. I think yeah, people exactly. want to sometimes put it together. And if it works out, that's awesome. But put the pieces together and hopefully it'll just all work out and you can bring your kids around, you know, your biological family. And sometimes as disappointing as that can be, it doesn't work mm-hmm. out. And there was a reason why these people weren't in your life. And sometimes you can recognize that when you go back as an adult. Would you say that that is kind of where you're at in your relationship? Yes, I completely agree with what you just said. I think that adoptees who can find their biological parents or have had an open relationship with them and continue that through adulthood and having children and being married and things like that, that's phenomenal. That's just an extension of your family. And I think that's, you know, the best way possible. But that's not always the case. And that wasn't my case. I was able to find that closure in having that conversation or a few conversations with him. And I hope that that he was able to have that closure as well. But I felt like because of safety reasons and because of 
so much distance emotionally, even though we don't live far at all from each other and never have. It wasn't the best thing for myself to grow as a person and and for my family as far as my husband and children and really my mom and all of that and all of my adoptive siblings, which we'll get to, I'm sure. Yes. But um, I wanted everybody to be safe, and that was my main goal because of the previous situations and the safety issues from his past. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like that I had that sense of peace, that it was a safe situation. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good that you made that decision. I've told the story before, but I found my father older as well. And he found me actually Mm -hmm. when I was 19. And we've had some interesting interactions. And now that I'm married and have children, he doesn't get the whole adoption thing. So if he calls me, he always says, how's your stepkids? And I'm like, no, no, these, (laughs) okay, you know what? My stepkids are great because he just doesn't comprehend the whole adoption world or, you know, that there's a difference between adoption and stepkids, but you guys had that going on in your family and it just kind of made me laugh. It's like, oh my gosh, like he was your stepdad, but he's your adopted dad, but he's your dad. And so, you know, that role is, is really each person makes it individual. And what he was to you sounds like he was amazing. And just the story that you're going to tell reflects him as a father to many children who needed a dad. So he adopted you and then they had a biological child together. Your sister? I have two sisters actually biologically by them. So they, he adopted me when they got married. I was three at the time. And then I have a sister who is four years younger than me. So a year after they got married, they had one of my biological sisters. And then four years after that, they had another sister. And we were the the girls. <laughs> we were their, their girls for a long time until their story changed, which is really cool. So tell us what your mom was saying to your dad when your story was starting to change. Yeah, so it's really interesting because he did adopt me. <laughs> but when he says, this is our family, these are our girls, I don't think we need to add to it. I think we're good. My mom had already had that stirring in her heart for adoption. And and so she was, of course, crushed and just prayed, you know, God, if this is what you want for our family, it's going to take you. And it took, I think it was about seven, seven, eight years for my dad's heart to change. And I just, I look back at that and I just kind of chuckle because he adopted me and the wovenness of the story from that point on to when they adopted is just really cool. But she had been praying about it for about seven years. And my dad's heart started to change about five years in. They started talking about foster care and adoption through the foster care system. And they looked into what that entailed and started taking classes And once they got about halfway through the classes, they just did not feel a peace um, because they wanted to bring a sibling group of older children into the home. They wanted to do about two to five children in a sibling group. And, And with us being at home still, they just, the security of everything, they wanted to 
to keep a secure home for the foster children and the adopted children and then us as well. And they didn't feel like that was the right time for that. And so they put a hold on foster care adoption and decided how their next steps would look in adoption, either domestically or internationally. And they started talking about that, and my mom brought up special needs adoption. And then my dad was like, no, absolutely not. That, you know, is terrifying because you don't know what you don't know. And he just felt like he couldn't provide the the home for a child with special needs. And so my mom got to pray in again. And about that seven-year mark is when his heart started to change, and it was a moment in Waffle House that none of us will ever forget it, and it always makes me a little emotional when I think about it. But a guy walked in and sat down beside my dad. He was at breakfast with my grandfather, and he sat down, and he had never met this guy before, and they had never spoken, and he just looked at him and said, James 127, take care of the orphans and the widows. And my dad turned and looked at my grandfather and turned back, and it was literally seconds, and the guy was gone. And he just felt like that was a way that God confirmed, this is what you're supposed to do. Wow. And so he went home to my mom (laughs) and said, I'm not going to like what I'm about to tell you, but I believe this is what we're supposed to do. I believe we're supposed to adopt a child with special needs. And she was like, okay, that's what I've been praying for. And she contacted a group for an international adoption because that's what she initially was looking into. And they committed to a little girl in Ukraine. Her name was Ruslana. And she was, I believe she was four at the time. And they went through the process of the home study and getting fingerprinted and all of the checks you have to go through and dossier for international and all of that and traveled over to the Ukraine. But before they traveled, I'll back up a little bit. Before they traveled, they were contacted by somebody locally for my brother, Charlie. (laughs) They were not looking for a domestic adoption at that time. They were focusing on Ruslana. And Charlie was going to be born within two weeks, and they didn't have a family for him. He was diagnosed prenatally with Down syndrome, but his birth mom had also had two children previously that she was parenting who also had Down syndrome diagnosis prenatally and were born typical. And so she was not looking to place him because of his potential diagnosis. She was looking to place him because she was not in a situation to care for him. She loved him dearly, and we love her, but she was not in a place to parent him. And so she was looking for a family who would be open to a child with Down if he were to be born with Down syndrome. And so somebody knew our family who knew somebody at her agency who, of course, knew her, and we all got tied together, and we had two weeks to make a decision before he was born, and we brought him home. He was born in August, and my parents traveled down to Florida to get him, and they got him right out of the hospital. They were able to have some great moments with his birth mom. We have a semi-open adoption with her. She is an incredible lady, and she, from what we know, is doing very well at this time. Did he have Down syndrome? He did. He did. He He has has Downs. 
which is amazing. We love him. He's incredible. He is our, we call him Mr. Mayor because he does not meet a stranger Uh and he is determined to be president of the United States. Uh Yeah, we call him Mr. Mayor and he's a cool kid. And how old were you at this time? I was 16 when they adopted Charlie. And how old was your Uh, youngest sister? My youngest sister, we are eight years different. So she was eight. And then I had another sister in between us who was 12. So all of us were a little bit older um, when my parents went through this adoption process. And so all of my siblings, we call the littles because of the age gap. And we love it. We love being able to be siblings, but also play a little bit more of an aunt role. We're able to have Mm -hmm. fun with them versus the bickering of the siblings that me and my sisters had growing up. So it's cool. It's a really neat experience. Okay, so did they get the child from Ukraine? Okay, so they brought Charlie home in August while they were still in the process of waiting to be told when they could travel for the little girl in Ukraine. And they were told in November that they would be traveling the day after Thanksgiving. So Charlie was brand new. He was home with us, and my parents went to Ukraine. And when they got there, there were a lot more medical needs for this little girl that were not disclosed to my family. And not that my parents did not want to parent her. They did. They desperately did. But they knew that they could not provide her basically 24-hour care that she would need when coming back to the state. And so they very, very remorsefully had to come home But in the meantime, while they were there, they were able to connect with another family stateside who had adopted from the same orphanage two other children who were older with Down syndrome and knew kind of what to expect and make sure that she was going to be taken care of. And she was. Before they came home, that family had committed to her and they were getting ready to get their stuff together to travel. And they actually have adopted her and Mm. she is doing so well in their family. So wow. it was it was great. We we believe God used us as a tool to not necessarily mm-hmm. adopt her, but to keep her from going to an institution, which is what happens around her age range in Ukraine. So we were there to kind of put that hold until her for her forever family got there. Uh-huh. That's amazing. Okay, we have to take a break. When we come okay. back, your dad did not stop. With just one baby. He just kept going. It's it's such an incredible story. We'll be right back. You're listening to Adoption Now. Hi, this is April Fallon, the host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. We love all of your feedback, ideas for shows, and applications to be on the show. Email us anytime at april at adoption-now.com. We would love for you to subscribe to Adoption Now podcast by clicking on the subscribe button on iTunes. Then you'll get a new story as soon as the podcast is released. Again, thank you for listening to Adoption Now. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today, we're talking to Mallory, and she is sharing her heart for adoption. She started a company called Arrow and Root, and they do profile books for adoptive families. She has a special offer for us later on in the show, but she's right in the middle of her adoption journey 
as a kid. Her dad had adopted her. She is with her biological mother. They went on to have two more biological children together, and they have just brought home their first adoption, this little baby from Florida who has Down syndrome. And you guys were going to adopt from the Ukraine, but that did not work out. And so did you feel like your family was complete? Did you think your mom and dad were done? Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You knew your mom wasn't done. (laughs) I knew her, and I knew that this was just the beginning for them. As soon as they met Charlie, it was just a whole new world. Tell us about him as a baby. What's it like to bring home a Down syndrome baby? Yeah, so bringing home a child with Down syndrome is not much different as far as Charlie went. So Charlie had a heart defect, which is common in children with Downs. But his was not one that we had to fix right away. And so bringing him home, he was so sweet. He was a happy baby. He was content just to be held. And his newborn stage lasted a little bit longer than a typical child just because there are some delays when they're growing. So we were able to enjoy that. We were able to, you know, take all of that in a little bit longer. It was a a time for us to just breathe that in versus the go, go, go of a typical child meeting milestones. So I feel like it was a huge blessing. But he met his milestones fairly quickly after a typical child would. We all, of course, loved on him. Me and my two sisters were never putting him down, as well as my mom. So all of us were always holding him at some time. And and he was in a few different therapies just to help him meet his milestones. And It was great. It was awesome. He is now nine, so it's been an incredible journey with him. But there was another adoption not long after him, and that is my sister, Celia. Okay, tell us about Celia. So Celia is our feisty one. She was the one that was born before we knew about her, and she was born without a prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome. Her birth mom was younger, and so they didn't do any type of testing for her, and and she was matched, actually, with a family before she was born. But once she was born, they did not feel like they could parent her the way that she needed to be, and so they stepped out of the situation. And again, somebody who knew my family who knew Celia's birth mom's family, that's how we got connected. And so it was an an incredible, quick journey. (laughs) Like I said, she was already born. She was a few days old when we ended up meeting her. And she was itty-bitty. She was, I don't know, five pounds maybe, the smallest baby we had had in our family. Wow. Yeah, she's still super petite as well. She's seven years old, and she's probably 35 pounds, maybe 40 pounds. She's little, but she is full mm-hmm. of sass, and she knows what she wants, and she's a fun one. She definitely added to our our family, but did not complete it as well. Okay, um, so Charlie was two, Celia came yeah. to the family, and then how long before baby number three? So baby number three, her name's Kate. She is six, and obviously it did not take long. And again, it was a situation where somebody who knew her birth family knew our family and that's how we got connected. So all of these adoptions were private adoptions because of that situation. But her birth family was in New York. 
year on student visas. They were from China or are from China, and they loved her dearly and still do. Um, they have a well. They had a five year old son at the time. I guess he's eleven now. And they were here finishing out their visas and knowing they would leave soon to go back to China, that that wouldn't be the best situation for Kate. And so they actually parented her for five months until they knew they were getting close to the end of their uh, visa and decided to place her. And we have a semi-open adoption with them as well. So we have great relationships with my siblings' birth families. They are incredible and because they're in China, we have not seen them since they placed her, but we email. Was that so hard for them? I mean, were you a part of that when they handed her over? I was not, but I heard the story. My mom shared their story because that this is my sibling's story. And, and for her family, I wouldn't say it was more heartbreaking, but it was a different heartbreaking. And it was devastating for them. And, and it was devastating for my parents to know that their heart was breaking and they were experiencing a loss of a child. Wow. This is so incredible. Okay. So Charlie was born in Florida. Where was Celia Mm -hmm. born? She was Georgia. Um, So she is local to where we are living and have lived. Okay. So she's Georgia. And now your parents are going to New York to get Kate. Yes. They adopted Kate from New York. Okay. And then after Kate, was Finn, and Finn was a little bit different of a situation. He is from Tennessee, and he is currently five, so he is a year younger than Kate, so all of these are pretty back-to-back, and again, it was a situation where somebody knew my family that knew about the situation and got us all connected once again, and he is the one that never keeps us still in the best way. (laughs) He always has a smile on his face. He is always going, and he is always just the lively one, and we cannot imagine our lives without Finn. His story was his mom had some issues with drugs and had just gotten back, I believe, her two children from foster care or was trying to prevent that from happening. And so he had been in the hospital since he was born because of some heart issues. He had three open heart surgeries, and was in there for seven months. And when we were contacted, it was either he was going into state care or was needing to be adopted because she was not going to be able to parent him. And so that's where we came in. Um, Our families were connected and we were up there within, I don't know, probably 48 hours (laughs) to take over custody of him. And he has been resilient since the beginning. I mean, just being born and having three open heart surgeries is is to say, you know, what his character is like. But he is an incredible kid and fits our family perfectly. (laughs) Have these babies all attached to your family? Because some of them were from birth, but some of them were, you know, seven months or five months. They have. So after, after Finn, my parents waited a little bit longer. They adopted internationally from China two years ago. A ten well, he's ten now, so he was eight at the time. Little boy with Down syndrome. And he, I would say, has had not the most difficulty because it hasn't been very difficult, but it has been more difficult than the other children as far as attachment and just becoming his own in the family. 
but my mom found out about Abe. I'm not quite sure if it was through a website or somebody she knew, but we were connected with a girl who had visited him on some mission mission trips in his orphanage. And she was able to share photos in the meantime uh, while my parents were preparing for his adoption. So that was cool, being able to see him grow over the course of a year and, and being able to allow him to know he has a family coming for him. And so we call him the worker because he has the best work ethic out of all of us. I have a son and my sister has a daughter and he helps all the time. He wants to, you know, show them what to do and take care of them. And he wants to help with yard work. I mean, what kid wants to help with yard work? That's just his love language. He enjoys pouring into helping. And so he is, he's a cool kid. He's starting to show more of his personality. He's starting to be funnier (laughs) because when he came home, he was a little bit more rigid in his personality just because of how orphanages are typically run. But he's definitely starting to relax a lot with our family, which is good because we're a fun family. We laugh a lot and we go on vacations together and there are 15 of us. And so you kind of have to learn how to have fun if you're with us. When he came to your family, he was older. Was he older than Charlie? Yes, he's a year older than Charlie. Okay. So it's been a little interesting watching Charlie having to let go of the oldest role with the littles. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be hard. Yeah, but they kind of learned how to share it a little bit because Abe is a little quieter in personality and Charlie is, like I said, Mr. Mayor. They share it. Abe is definitely more, takes on the older sibling role in making sure things are done <laughs> and, you know, guiding everybody who's younger than him to do what they need to do. And then Charlie takes on the role in a more of a personality way. And so they've learned to share it well. Charlie was thrilled to have a brother that he could wrestle because there are two sisters under him and Finn is five. So at the time, Finn was you, Finn was three. So he couldn't really have that rough and tumble relationship with Finn yet. And so he was really excited to be able to have a, a brother that was close to his age. And so they've really kind of fit into that mold well. And of course, there are those times that they argue and mm-hmm. they get in trouble. Normal. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like normal stuff. Child. Right. Yeah. It so, is it's been good. really crazy to think about because in the beginning of the show, you said that your mom had you when she was 15. Yes. So you brought your first baby through adoption home, your mom, when you were 16. So she was only 31 years old when she started this whole process. I mean, that's just incredible. (laughs) And that they were traveling and went to China and just went and got all these babies to bring them home. I mean, what an incredible story. And in the midst of that, you and your sister grew up and you guys got married and you have kids and now you're still just one big family, but you are so impacted by adoption. Is that why you really started Arrow and Root? It is. So in the in the back of my mind, I think it definitely has to do a little bit with my adoption story, but What set the passion was watching my parents walk through this journey. Since they started this, I've always wanted to be involved in the adoption community, whether working with an agency or with birth families or something in some way. And I worked at a 
pregnancy medical clinic who helped women who found out that they were pregnant and weren't sure what what in the world to do. They were in shock. And so we were able to share adoption with them often. And, and I was their director of development. So I did all of their branding and their marketing and their graphic design work. But I also went into the rooms when I was needed and shared my heart and listened to these women. And so I was able to see all sides of what these women walk through initially and then as they decide what path they want to choose. And when I had my son 16 months ago, I wanted to obviously come home and parent him in our home. And at that time, work did not allow for that to happen. We needed me to continue working. Um, But about six months into him being here, my son Gray, I was able to step away from my job, which I loved, but it just did not fit our lifestyle at that time. And so I was, you know, talking with my mom, I really want to step into this adoption world. And I feel like now's the right time. And she's like, use your skills, use your skills that you learned while working at this clinic. And, and so I started my company, Arrow and Roots. And I feel like this is my way to give back to adoptive families by providing them my knowledge and my skills from my previous work, being able to talk them through the process of how to create this book, what do we need to say, what will resonate with an expectant parent, and make sure that we're, in the end, marketing them well to an expectant parent, not changing who they are, but making sure that we are expectant parent-focused in our language while sharing their story. And this is also my way to connect with expectant parents. They need to be loved on through these books, and they need to know that they are loved and that even though this is a heartbreaking moment in their lives, that there are families out there who love them. And it's my way to give back to them so that they can view beautiful books and be able to choose a family through the pages that they're reading. You help families write hello letters. Talk to us about that. I do. So that is a difficult place to start for a hopeful adoptive family when they're filling out their book because it's in the beginning. And you know what you want to say, but you want to make sure it comes across well. And so I direct them on how to focus on the expectant parent in their hello letter. This is not about them in this moment. This is about her. So to share their hopes for her, their desires for her, that they love her, that they see her, that this is her choice whether she chooses adoption or not. And so just to walk them through that process of writing the hello letter, I've also partnered with her name's Leah Ottman, and she is a birth mom of 14 years. And she provides, I have a video that she has recorded for my clients to also give her perspective of a birth mom in writing the hello letter. And after writing the hello letter, the hopeful adoptive parents have kind of learned what verbiage to use and not to use. And then that allows us to write the rest of their book in a very caring and loving way that is expectant parent focused. When you talk about loving a birth parent or loving an adoptive parent. I love that because it's just talking about having compassion really for everybody in the story and helping them along their journey. And when I started eight years ago in the adoption world, we were using glue 
and pictures to make books. I yeah. mean, that's how we did it. We were cutting them out and, oh, let's put one of us in the snow. Hopefully she'll like snow. You know, you're like trying to guess. Right. And when we started adopting in other states, that was very difficult. They're like, send us your book. And I'm like, oh, I have one. And it's right. sitting right here, you know? So now we're, we're seeing these books online. We're able to connect to fundraising. We're able to really help a family bring their child home. And you are a part of that. And I think it's awesome. You have something really special for our listeners. What is that? A special offer? Yes. So like I said, this is my heart. And I don't want to add an, an additional cost for a family in, a, in the adoption process. I know it's already financially taxing. And so I do everything I can to make sure that cost is down. And I want to offer, if you are listening to this and you want a professionally customized profile book, I want to offer you $50 off when you mention Adoption Now. That's so awesome. And we are doing on Instagram right now, if you go on Instagram and you share our post about this particular podcast, you will be put in a drawing for $25 off and you can use that for anyone. You can give that to your sister who's adopting. You can give that to your friend. It doesn't have to be necessarily you, but she wants to make sure that the families who need books are receiving $25 off, that they are able to to have this beautiful story about their family, that they are able to learn how to talk to a birth mother, that they're able to work with somebody who understands adoption. Mallory, you understand it. Your parents are amazing and have gone through five different adoptions and your dad adopted you. So, I mean, it's just incredible. Your story is so beautiful and I appreciate that you reached out to us and that we are partnering together to promote adoption. Thank you for having me on. It's been so incredible to be able to share my voice on this platform. Tell us your website. My website is www.arrowandroot.org. Thank you again, Mallory. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and remember all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning into Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.